the halt. Here we are, Claire. A bumpy, sluggish train has just deposited our sleepy troop and abandoned us, yawning and disgruntled, on a fine spring afternoon. The air sharpened by a breeze blowing from the east, across a blue sky streaked with light cloud and scented with lilac just bursting into bloom. Its freshness stings our cheeks, and we screw up our smarting eyes like convalescents prematurely allowed out. We have a two-and-a-half-hour wait before the train that is to take us on. Two-and-a-half hours? What shall we do with ourselves? We can send off picture postcards. We can have some coffee. We might play a game of piquet. We could look at the town. The manager of our touring company suggests a visit to the park. That will give him time for forty winks in the buffet, nose buried in his turned-up collar, heedless of his peevish flock bleating around him. Let's go and see the park. Now we're outside the station, and the hostile curiosity of the small town escorts us on our way. These people here have never seen a thing, mutters the ingenue, in aggressive mood. Anyhow, the towns where we don't perform are always filled with bystanders. And so are those where we do, observes the disillusioned duenna. We are an ugly lot, graceless and lacking humility, pale from too hard work, or flushed after a hastily snatched lunch. The rain at Douai, the sun at Nîmes, the salty breezes at Biarritz have added a green or rusty tarnish to our lamentable touring outer garments, ample misery-hiding cloaks which still pretentiously boast an English style. Trailing over the length and breadth of France, we have slept in our crumpled bonnets, all of us except the Grand Coquette, above whose head waved pompously, stuck on the top of a dusty black velvet tray, three funereal ostrich plumes. Today I gaze at these three feathers as if I'd never seen them before. They look fit to adorn a hearse, and so does the woman beneath them. She seems out of keeping in the town where we don't perform, rather ludicrous, with her bourbon profile and her recurrent, I don't know why everyone tells me I resemble Sarah. What do you think? A gay little squall tugs at our skirts as we turn the corner into a square, and the carefully waved tresses of the ingenue's peroxide hair stream out in the wind. She utters a shriek as she clutches her hat, and I can see across her forehead, between eyebrows and hair, a carelessly removed red line, the trace of last night's makeup. Why have I not the strength to look away when the duenas bloomers brave the light of day? They are tan-colored bloomers and fall in folds over her cloth booties, no mirage could distract my attention from the male star shirt collar, grayish-white, with a thin streak of ochre foundation along the neckline. No enchanted drop curtain of flowers and tremulous leafage could make me overlook the comic's pipe, that fat old juicy pipe, the fag end stuck to the undermanager's lip, the purple ribbon turning black in the makeup man's buttonhole, the senior lead's matted beard, ill-dyed and in part discolored, they are all so crudely conspicuous in the town where we don't perform. But what about myself? Alas, what made me dawdle in front of the watchmaker's shop, allowing the mirror there time to show me my shimmerless hair, the sad twin shadows under my eyes, lips parched with thirst, and my flabby figure in a chestnut-brown tailor-made, whose limp flaps rise and fall with every step I take? I look like a discouraged beetle, battered by the rains of a spring night. I look like a molting bird. I look like a governess in distress. I look—good Lord, I look like an actress on tour, and that speaks for itself. At last the promised park. The reward justifies our long walk, dragging our tired feet exhausted from keeping on our boots for eighteen hours a day. A deep shady park, 
a slumbering castle, its shutters closed, set in the midst of a lawn, avenues of trees, just beginning to unfurl their sparse, tender foliage, bluebells and cowslips studding the grass. How can one help shivering with delight when one's hot fingers close around the stem of a live flower, cool from the shade and stiff with newborn vigor? The filtered light, kind to rattle faces, imposes a relaxed silence. Suddenly a gust of keen air falls from the treetops, dashes off down the alley chasing stray twigs, then vanishes in front of us like an impish ghost. We are tongue-tied, not for long. Oh, the countryside, sighs the ingenue. Yes, if only one could sit down, suggests the duenna. My legs are pressing into my body. At the foot of a satin-bowled beach, we take a rest in glorious and unattractive strollers.